Wow, we actually get you back from Megacon. You do. I had such a great time. I I fucking love Megacon. And while there is nothing good about Megacon being over, the silver lining in Megacon being finished is that we do not have to wait a year for the next Megacon. The next Megacon is rolling around in about nine months. May 19th through the 22nd. Just enough time for you to make back all the money you spent on uh, stuff. Yeah. Jesus, I spent too much money. But I'm looking forward to the next one. I may have to start working on a uh, on a new costume. We'll see. Uh, Mando Darkwing Duck was very popular. I also did regular Darkwing Duck, and everybody loves regular Darkwing Duck. So. Well, you know what you're doing out there, people. You're listening to the Give Me Five podcast, episode 197, side B. This is the summer of 87. It is. Broken mirror. A bi-weekly podcast reviewing the things you love today and the things you loved yesterday. My name is Mark Morales, and I'm joined by Darren Robinson. Hey, and I'm replacing our other host who replaced me just earlier this week. When he thought that I was having such a good time, he decided to have his own adventure doing meth, having sex with an alligator, and dancing with Danny Trejo. And I do believe he is currently in the middle of a slow dance with Danny Trejo, Uh, which is why he's not here. And you cannot step away from that. You cannot. Not if you value your life. Mm -hmm. And I believe the alligator is sitting behind him hissing. (laughs) Saying, where is my attention? (laughs) A love triangle with an alligator and Danny Trejo. (laughs) Speaking, Speaking of alligators... They actually, there was a conservancy at Megacon that had a, like a four foot alligator or a three foot alligator that you could hold. And I swear to God, they put one of those little Loki hats on it. That's fantastic. And people, and they were having people literally pay like, everyone but the alligator. They were having people pay like $10 to take a picture with the Loki alligator. And you, you're damn skippy that Jen had to do it. <laughs> She paid the money to take a picture with that alligator. She okay, was well, not the only one. There were a lot of people lining up to take a picture okay, with that to alligator. To be honest, it's better that she did it when there was like people there that know how to control an alligator. Because had she, had she not, she would have been like in the lake behind your house with a little Loki hat. Entirely probable. But it was absolutely adorable. I'll send you some of the pictures, Greg. Excellent. So this is a side B episode, and we are going to talk about the movie Disorderlies, also known as the Fat Boys movie. The and Fat Boys movie. That is, and I completely forgot about the Fat Boys until this movie came up. Actually true. Very true. Uh, and we will answer our Gibby 5 question of the week. Uh, that is uh, coming up. And we are doing this not because we are huge Fat Boys fans or anything, but this is the movie that came out. August in 1987, 14th. Yeah, August 18th. 14th. Uh, 14th, sorry. Um, in 1987, and we are continuing on with our summer of 87, coming to a close very soon, but very a couple shortly. more good ones. Um, so that's uh, 
Spoilers, Rob. So, guys, uh, you should know this by now. We're 197 episodes in. You should know that spoilers are going to happen on this show. If we are talking about something that you haven't seen, read, or listened to, in this case, The Disorderlies, starring the Fat Boys, and you would like to see said movie first, I strongly recommend that you pause this recording. I don't, I'm not going to say stop the recording because you need to come back. Pause the recording. Y'all come back now, you hear? (laughs) Go watch the movie and then come on back and listen to us. Like, yes, like slow dancing with Danny Trejo. Spoilers are going to happen. They're. (laughs) You can fight it all you want, but it's going to happen. Yeah. (laughs) So we are talking about Disorder Release. As we said before, it came out August 14th, 1987. It was directed by Michael Schultz. I looked up Michael Schultz, and that dude has had a extraordinarily good uh, career, uh, especially with some of the WB. Like, he's directed a bunch of WB episodes of Arrow and stuff like that. Uh, he actually directed my favorite episode of Arrow. Really? Which, you know, I don't know the names of episodes except for the one episode. Is that um, into the Arrowverse or whatever? No, it was the one where with uh, with they showed Felicity, like, in college. If you remember that one, where she mm-hmm. they were like it was super. Nice. I don't really watch Arrow, so I okay. I it was it was an, like them. it was a kind of mid uh, mid series episode where they showed Felicity in college. It was just a really good episode because it ran simultaneously. It was running simultaneously with her, you know, in current times. It was it was just really good. Um, and it made that character from a side character into a main character. But uh, so he's done very well with with TV stuff, but also he directed Disorderlies. Uh, starring Darren Robinson, Damon Wimbley, and Mark Morales, also known as the Fat Boys. Yep. Um, Anthony Geary. So Anthony Geary. Rob, do you know who that is? He was the villain in this. He's the nephew, the evil nephew. I I actually do not know who that is. Remember in the eighties, there was a soap opera wedding that everyone was freaking out about. You remember that? General the... Hospital, Luke and Laura. Okay. He was Luke. No shit, really? Yeah. He's kind of a goofy looking guy. That's what, he was goofy back then too. He kinda of had like the, the like the big blonde fro. Like the uh-huh. the the what is it, uh greatest American hero kind of hair. Mm-hmm. And it, like that's what everyone loved, that relationship. That's the Luke and Laura thing and uh I don't know, maybe people in the eighties just like people named Luke. Wow. But yeah. But that was him, and that for some reason the movie he decided to go on and do is Disorderlies. Okay. Uh, it also, of course, stars. Uh, let's see, uh, Helen Reddy. Oddly enough, is in it, but she's not a big star. She was one of the like rich people at the opening party. Mm-hmm. But, uh, the, uh, Helen Reddy of "I Am Woman, Hear Me Roar" fame, and Ralph Bellamy, who was he plays the older uncle, and he had a pretty big career, like classic Hollywood career. I kind of remembered him from some. I couldn't tell you what it was, but I he looked familiar. But maybe he just looked like those all of those like old guys, you know, because they all kind of look the same. <laughs> you heard her first. Rob thinks all old people look the same. No, just all old guys. Gotcha. Yeah, you don't. You do not want to anger uh, Betty White. I, no. I don't even want to say that. On, oh, never. We can't even say that on the show. Oh, God. What did we do? Betty, we love you. Oh, God damn it. 
Where is he? Did we just kill Betty White? I hope not. I'm going to be so mad. <laughs> yeah, he was... I had written down what he was in. It was like His Girl Friday or something. He was like the lead in that. Who, Ralph Bellamy? Bellamy? Yeah. So he had like a big career. It's always weird when someone is like this very classic, you know, black and white film star. And then they do a movie like this. And then they do like Disorderlies and it's like, and they died two years later. I'm like, because of the movie? Or maybe because they were 95. I don't know. The movie broke his heart. Right. Um, So... I want to talk a little bit about the, the Fat Boys. Were you? I already know the answer to this, but were you a Fat Boys fan? Um, I didn't really listen to them. I I think they were a little bit before my time. It's possible, yeah. I, I kind of put them more on the side of like, you know, less on the side of Run DMC and whatever rap was going on in the eighties, and more on the side of like a Weird Al. I always thought they were just kind of a gimmick. Like I didn't really realize they had actual songs that weren't just about being fat. I do no, I, remember. I never thought they were a gimmick. I just thought they were early. I think they were like early 1980s. I mean, and, yeah. and I mean, at the time this movie came out, I mean, we were only 10. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we weren't really, I don't think we were really moving into the music scene at that point. Mm-hmm. But they, I don't think they, they lasted much longer than this. Yeah. So the, the Fat Boys were an American hip-hop group from Brooklyn. If you, don't, if you guys out there don't know, um, uh, they were from Brooklyn, New York. Uh, of course, they emerged in the early 80s, as you said. The group was briefly known as the Disco 3, and they're comp- uh, comprised of Mark Prince Marky D. Morales, Damon Coolrock Ski, and uh, Wembley, and Darren Bufflove Robinson. Um, Mark Morales actually ended up being a DJ down in uh, 99 Jams in South Florida before he oh. passed away, which was actually this year. Uh, not this week, so it wasn't our fault. It was uh, earlier this year. Uh, they were f- they basically there was a giant competition from all the different boroughs to find the next big rapper. It was uh, sponsored by a, a Swissborn promoter named Charles Skettler, and in '83, and basically the Fat Boys won. Like all of these different rappers kind of went up against each other from different areas, and no one expected them to win. And after they won, of course, they kind of blew up, and they. Mm-hmm. You know, they went from just being kids like they they expected other bands to win or groups, and these guys won. So they, of course, ended up all over the radio in New York, which back then was basically the first step to being all over the radio everywhere else. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were known for using beatboxing in their songs, and that's one of the reasons that beatboxing went. Now uh, was it was just the one guy who did the beatboxing though, and it, and it, it wasn't like anything super complex. It was no, I can't even do it. The oh, 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 that one, yeah, yeah, it sounds like a uh, I don't know, like a sea lion mating call. That one, mm-hmm. uh, but because they were so popular, they actually a lot they opened the door for other beatboxers. Like they were like the friendly welcome to the world for beatboxing mm-hmm. uh biz Marquee became famous after their dougie fresh uh, were two of the big ones again biz Marquee, r.i.p a couple months ago too we were man if this movie had come out a little bit sooner we would have been like we would have been responsible for killing like half of <laughs> half half of the 80s rap genre um, oh and of God. course we're on dmc uh they were very popular because they were self-depreciating or self-deprecating uh depreciating and 
then, of course, they released seven studio albums, four of which went gold. Uh, one of which, of course, had the Beastie Bo- or the Beach Boys on it, which was kind of how the Beach Boys ended up in this movie, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Yeah, nice little cameo. Yep. Uh, they were in three, actually three, movies in the 80s. Um, uh, only one of which is kind of a big one. It was uh, Crush Groove, Knights of the City, and The Disorderlies. The Disorderlies, they were actually starring the other two. They were just kind of, oh, look, it's the Fat Boys. Uh, in On December 10th, 1995, uh, Buffalo, that's Darren Robinson, died of a heart attack, which I'm not mocking anyone, but you can kind of, that's not a surprise. Which, wait, which one was he? Was he the one wearing the, the, stone, the rhinestone glasses? I believe so. The the shorter one? Uh not the one that ended up in the pool well like that was the beatboxer. I think so, yes. Yeah. Um he had flu, he was living in Queens, and he rated about four hundred and fifty pounds at that time. Hmm. Uh Prince Mar- uh Prince Marky D, he did die of a spe- suspected heart attack February eighteenth of two thousand twenty one. Uh, the day before his 53rd birthday. But the other one, um, he actually looks freaking great. He's, like, ripped now. Like, he is full-on workout dude. Um, so if you look up, uh, I don't know which one he is. Damon Wembley? I think so. You said Darren Robinson died and Mark Morales died? Yeah. So if you look him up, he's, like, the one picture he's, like, got his, like, arm buff, like, uh, yeah, so I'm glad that he is doing well. And uh, he is currently uh, residing in New York, and he is the last surviving bat boy. So stay healthy, and we're sorry we just spoke of you. Hopefully, we're not responsible. Yeah. So, uh, well, we're definitely not responsible, like at all we're not responsible people that's why we keep on mentioning names of people that have heart conditions uh we love you benny what'd you think i mean i know you've you've said you've seen this before right yeah i have seen this before um i i got the sense from talking to you two that neither one of you cared for this movie i was kind of flat on it it's not that i didn't like it when I watch a movie, it's I like it or dislike it based on mm-hmm. how can we make an hour long show of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like something could be absolutely terrible, I would tell you never to watch it, but at least I can talk about it for an hour. Right. This one, there was a lot of stuff that was like it was so straightforward. Um, that I was like, okay, what am I going to do? And and in all honesty, it it wasn't bad. I mean, I really don't think that there were, like, any glaring, oh, my God, what the F are they doing? It was, it was kind of the, the traditional bumbler works his way into making a couple of mistakes that actually work out. Um, and, you know, the, the lovable rapscallions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're, they're kind of irresponsible, but they see, they see their errors in the end, and they kind of try and turn it around and you know i i i mean i i liked it i had to watch it over a couple of nights 
and that wasn't that wasn't because I didn't you know because I couldn't stomach it. That was just because I was very limited on time because I was watching it on nights while I was at MegaCon. So I would I would watch it in like spurts. It took me like two or three nights to watch all of it. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I I mean honestly I enjoyed it. I mean it's not one that I would run out and go see again, but it certainly was no a sound of thunder. Fucking Omar. <laughs> he's going to regret that, that choice. He's going to go back in time and not pick that movie. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was fun. It was enjoyable. I, I the the musical number in the middle of the movie. The rolling skate is this the roller skate one, or the the actual hit, the rap one? The one where they filmed the video. Okay. Yeah. The the musical number in the middle of the movie really kind of dates the movie as to what the the hip hop uh scene was like in the eighties. Yeah. And it's it's nothing like it is today. Yeah, definitely. It's not. it's nothing like I I mean that style of music evolved so quickly that it's nothing like the style of music that hip hop was in the mid nineties. I mean, even five years later, it, it was significantly different. I mean, am I wrong in that or no, there's, I mean, but the, the hip hop genre pretty much changed overnight when the, um, the, there's a drum machine. I forget the name of it now, but it's super famous. And you, Mm -hmm. when that came out, but it's that you've heard the drum beats from that machine a million times. Yeah. And then, at when Run DMC started doing stuff, then they started being like, "Oh, we can add instrumentation in there." Of course, the Aerosmith thing, and hip hop was really different up in, in the mid like the early nineties. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't you. So we were in high school, so I don't know if you remember like the early nineties that hip hop was going a very socially conscious way, with like uh, Arrested Development and uh, bands like that with you know Song Tennessee and all that stuff. And then like mm-hmm. the summer hit, and that's like. I think it was the summer between sophomore and junior year, maybe. And like everything went from socially conscious and, you know, wearing like the color, the red, yellow, green colors and stuff like that. Like the cross color stuff with the Africa's on the mm-hmm. shirts and stuff to like straight up gangsta. Like when Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg broke. Mm-hmm. And I remember the, ch- I remember the change in people's attitude in school. Like people I was, people I was friendly with were like, back off bitch. And I'm like, Dude, we were like sat next to each other in Spanish class like two last years week. Ago. Yeah, and now you're like fronting, <laughs> like okay, which made me hate that kind of music until I hit college and when it. At which point you're like, I just like whatever song I like. I don't need to be metalhead or alternative or country or whatever. Just play a song I like. Oh God, the big one in my in my middle school was surfer or skater. Oh God, yeah. Oh God. Yep. There's people. There's people that are like listening in Nebraska, like damn, damn surfers. <laughs> mm. That is not a Nebraska uh, accent, by the way. Oh, uh, sure okay. it was. No, so uh, there, if you guys want to know more about hip hop, this is a really interesting book. There's a book called "Can't Stop, Won't Stop," and it's like it basically starts in it with uh, uh, Bob Marley in Jamaica, and like all the way up mm. through like how hip hop and rap they used to uh, share. Uh, they used to basically share clubs with with like the gay clubs, 
or share PAs with the gay clubs. So during the day, it would be a rap club, and at night it'd be a gay club in New York because everything was like on the down low, which is where that mm-hmm. term came from. Um, it's a it's a it's a really fascinating book and exhaustively researched. So if you want to, if you're into hip hop, it's worth listening to or or reading for that matter. But anyway, uh, I'm going to do the plot of this movie real quick, but we're not going to do like a full thing because it's pretty self-explanatory. And then I'm going to pepper uh, Rob with nursing questions. Oh, God. All right. <laughs> uh, so basically the story is there is a very, very rich old dude who is on his deathbed, and his nephew has gotten into some trouble with, with some drug dealer gambling mm-hmm. types. The the uh, Tony Montana types with the, you know, cut out your tongue and whatever yep. types. Uh, so he is trying to scam his way getting into getting money back uh, and eventually determines that he's just going to straight up murder his uncle to get the money. They live in a giant ass he, mansion. To- he, he wants the inheritance. I believe he's the uncle's only living relative. Yes. And uh, the uncle lives in a giant ass mansion. Did you recognize that mansion? Is it the one from Scarface? No, it is the one from Beverly Hillbillies. Is it really? Yep. The original Beverly Hillbillies, not the like remake. Yep. Nice. Uh, movie not not filmed in Florida, by the way. It's filmed in Los Angeles with, you know, cut uh, B roll footage taken in West Palm. Uh-huh. Uh huh. This is set in Florida, which I just which I didn't say before, but anyway. Uh, which is awesome. So as part of this scheme to try to kill his uncle, he fires the – he basically is trying to kill the dude, and his nurse – the uncle's nurses are very uh, good. good. So he, they decide to hire the worst nurses. Did I miss this part uh, due to a dog that was uh, needed to go out? Was there like a competition that they ended up being the worst nurses ever, or did the newspaper just say they were the nurse, worst nurses? They ever? were employed by the worst rated nursing home in the country, and he saw that, and he went to go talk to talk to that nursing home, and while he was there, they were fired. So he automatically assumed that they were the the worst ones if they're being fired from okay. the worst nursing home in the country. But the thing was, was they're not nurses. They're just orderlies. Yeah, true, true. Um, so basically hires him. Uh, they do, uh, they fall ass backwards, and we'll talk about what happens later, but fall ass backwards into actually making the dude somewhat healthier, the old guy. Yeah. Somewhat healthier, uh, and get him to enjoy life a little more, and this guy is still trying to off him. Uh, so now he has to get rid of the, the nurse's stuff ensues and you know you end up with the end of the movie so first of all the super complex pill dispensing machine has that ever been a thing (laughs) is that totally made up for a movie they have a side for those of you out there that have no idea what i'm talking about there's this like sci-fi it looks like the machine that goes ping and it's got like all these pills in the top and they're like they tell the ner- the orderlies basically, you know, press this and this, and it'll dispense his exact pills. Um, I don't know that I've ever seen. I can't say that it doesn't exist or it never existed. I don't know that I've ever seen or used one. In fact, I know I've never seen or used one. the the only The only thing that I've ever had is a giant machine where I input the patient's name, and I select the med and pull the med out, and the computer directs me to where it is. So I don't mix up meds and stuff, but. 
I've never seen one where you push a button and it dispenses all the meds for that patient at that time. I was trying to figure it out because it looks like either a prop guy just glued a bunch of shit together to make it or just 80s or like, you know, late 70s, early 80s style. Like, we're going to make this look kind of modern for the hospital. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just the way it was designed. Um, the, the thing I found in not interesting about this movie, but just one of the things I found weird about this movie was there was like this whole scheme to get rid of, this is much later, to get rid of the orderlies, the fat boys, mm-hmm. by convincing everyone that they were stealing. And that was kind of like the big thing. You're like, oh, this guy is so evil. He's convincing that these, these poor orderlies are stealing stuff by hiding stuff in their bags. But it's funny because early in the movie, they actually kind of were stealing which i was like so they were like a dollar plate yeah like uh, they were all appalled but like there's this big event early on and they misunderstood of course the thousand dollars a plate it's just one of those one of those very interesting like screenwriting things but thankfully they had kind of turned good at this point um before you know this this happened so another random question here they they fly to Palm Beach early in the movie. Mm-hmm. Of course, they do the thing where they're all separated out on the airplane, and they have, like, this poor little old lady sitting between these giant dudes. And he, like, backhands her, or, you know, back arms her head, and, like, <laughs> knocks her hat off and shit. Yeah. And, like, they get there to Palm Beach, and, like, there's someone being arrested in very, very short shorts. And I have no idea why they end up getting arrested. Could you figure it out? Like, is it because they just yelled out of the window at those girls in bikinis? Yes. Like, that was why they got arrested? Like, I think so. I don't remember catcalling being illegal in the 80s. In the city that we grew up right next to. Yeah. You would have been in jail the entire 80s. I would have. Well, no, the 90s. Not the 80s. You were 10. No, yeah, you were in the 80s, too. So, yeah, I thought that was, I was like, yet again, another weird script thing. Like, they couldn't mm-hmm. have come up with any better way if they, to do that. But this movie did have the quality of a porn, I thought. Like, the, the film quality just seemed very, like, I don't remember 80s movies looking that bad, do you? And then as we're watching all these 87 movies, like, wow, some of them, the quality was very broad. Like, Predator looked great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adventures of Babysitting looked pretty good. But, like, some of the other ones, like like this one, what was some of the other ones that looked like the quality was so, like, bad of the film? Care Bears. <laughs> well, that was just drawings. <laughs> I guess, I mean... What about Revenge of the Nerds? Yeah, Revenge of the Nerds was one of them that looked, like, way worse than I thought. I guess it was just a difference in quality of film. Like the, not everything was giant studios at this point. So right. maybe they didn't have the processing power, or the film quality or camera quality. Well, and I mean, and that's, that's true even today. I mean, if you, if you look, if you watch a movie that's filmed, you know, just for, for regular theaters and then watch it in IMAX, you know, IMAX is a different quality of film, and it's also a higher definition. So, I mean, watching it in IMAX, you get a much better, clearer picture. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I'm just I'm always fascinated with watching old movies when the the films, like the sets and stuff like that, they really look like they just went to someone's house and started filming. It's like mm-hmm. so much more realistic like than everything having to be pristine for the movies now. Like mm-hmm. there's never it never looks like anyone lives in the places that they that films are now. Unless they and they unless they're specifically trying to show that the person's like a mess or you know like a cop that's down on his luck or something. Right. It's just... Whereas whereas like one of the movies that I can think of right offhand that that had some like lived in homes or whatever, uh, Lethal Weapon. If you remember the first Lethal Weapon, all of the scenes from inside uh, Murtaugh's house, mm-hmm. it, it it's very homey. And even the scene, even the fight scene, while it while it looks like it's on a sound lot. Um, the fight scene in the front yard between Murtaugh mm-hmm. and um, Gary Busey. Yep. Or not Murtaugh, between uh, Mel Gibson and Gary Busey. Yep. I, I mean, it totally looks like it's on a soundstage set. Riggs. And the, the house is just a facade, but... Yeah. It was Riggs. His. Yeah. Riggs and the... I don't remember Busey's character's yeah, name. For some reason, the Mr. one... Mr. That... Joshua. Riggs and Mr. Joshua. Huh? Good memory. For some reason, I don't even remember the name of the movie, but the see- the scene that always reminds me of this is um there was a movie it had jim belushi in it and he like wakes up and he's like all like out of it and he t- i think he takes a beer and he pours it on his cereal like Animal it's like House? the opening sequence what no jim belushi like his brother not john belushi oh oh um like i want to say it's it's not well obviously not turner he, and Hooch, he plays like of... a detective right yes yep and it's just like the way the kitchen looks it it looked like every crappy apartment that I ever like went to visit someone like when I was in college. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh my god, that's gonna that's gonna bug me. Right, we're gonna contact our research department. Yeah we are. But yeah, I mean the you don't you're you're right. You don't really see those Oh it was K it was canine. I was gonna say was it canine? Yeah, I knew there was a dog involved, but yeah, yeah. You don't you don't really see those types of sets anymore. Yeah. Summer of '89 coming up next because then we can watch the fuck out of Canine. <laughs> yeah, we can. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, moving on to a couple other things I wanted that I noticed. Um, let's talk about the roller rink sequence. Sequence when. So the old dude is still still hates them at this point. In fact, the first reaction the old guy has when he sees the fat boys leaning over his bed is he like freaks go home. out. Yeah. <laughs> he freaks out. Uh they eventually bring him out with some girls. You know, typical eighties. He 80s. needs a night out. Yeah. Typical eighties like slut girls, I guess. That's what they were implying. Um and but that's they how they that's skating. how they fixed everything in the eighties was they would take the person out to like a club or a roller rink or something. I mean, hell, they did it in the Karate Kid. Yeah, true. Well, yeah, um, uh, Johnny took uh, Diego out in the in the in the show, and you know Johnny's entrenched in the eighties, but you know he took him to a concert. Yeah. Nothing would be bad as long as we uh, go to the show. No, um. So, brings him to this roller skating rink, and there's like a full-on band in the middle of the roller skating rink that's like... And I, and I believe I actually texted you guys, and I'm like, 
When was the last time you ever went to a roller rink and there was a live band in the middle of the rink? I've been to bowling alleys, roller rinks, all sorts of things at freaking Disney. And they didn't have a live band. And Disney has live bands everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like They've got like a British garden that if you walk the wrong way, all of a sudden you've got a band. Yeah. Like a, you know, a place where you get chicken nuggets and there's a band. <laughs> yep. Um. So oh, yeah, you not... need to go to the bathroom. Here's a band. Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> can Can you look the other way, guys? And she's like totally in spandex with like parts of it cut out, and she's like straight up. She's pretty I, hot I, though. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I love that. Say, I love that sequence. And of course, like you know, the dude is like in a wheelchair and being spun around and doing all sorts. Of, you know, he's got this girl laying on his lap, and he goes from like, ah, what are you doing? Get off me. Call the police. To being the lecherous old man. Yeah, well, 90 years old, of course. Get what you can. Yeah. Uh, so that that sequence was freaking awesome. Uh, right around this time, the pill machine that I was talking about, the, the so it's weird because, like, they do a thing where it's like you think that the, the fat boys are going to endear themselves to the old guy, and then they do something completely insane, and they decide to play poker with all of the guy's pills as chips yeah and it's like you were so close guys uh but they did a big turnaround and it turned out that the old guy was being over medicated and he was actually doing just fine yep and once they once they quote-unquote lost his medication he uh he had a gigantic turnaround and then the the nephew was super pissed off and was doing whatever he could to frame them or whatever Mm mm-hmm because they actually made it better. And then he was like, I'm going to take you boys on safari. We're going to go fishing. We're going to go climb a mountain. And they're like, man, I think that's a lot of effing work. I don't know that I want to do all that shit. <laughs> <laughs> they had like exercise montage scenes where he, where the old guy was like running laps around him and shit. They were like collapsing in the, on the uh, on the jogging trail. It was Yeah, it was a good old 80s montage. And just endear, you know, more endearing himself to the old guys. The nephews, yeah, like you said, just trying to frame them to like get them out of there, uh, because of course the drug dealer, gambler, money guy was like, "I'm gonna kill you in a couple days if you don't have this money." There's yeah. also a whole thing with guns and uh, cameras as well in this movie another 80s movie that doesn't quite understand how guns work yeah like especially the part where he he gets startled the one fat boy gets startled and like lights up a statue with the gun and like shoots for an extraordinarily long time even after it's what he's well aware that that's not shooting yeah yeah (laughs) no it doesn't work like that you even naturally you'd be like oh whoops um, and of course there's this, this giant gun rack in this old guy's house behind it is a series of cameras, which of course will reveal the fact that these guys aren't actually criminals and that they are being set up. Uh, there's some, some love stuff going on, which I kind of tuned out that part. And who the, who's the woman and that, so it's the maid. Yeah. The maid falls in love with one of the fat boys. No, the fat boy falls in love with the maid. She tells him he's got to work out or whatever. Uh, and yeah, he puts yeah. in all the effort and everything, 
She, she basically called him fat. She body shamed him, and and he he made it made an attempt to to improve his his weight situation, get healthier. Um, his his bro his bros are eating pizza and he's sitting there just munching on a bowl of bean sprouts. Yep. And uh, and he swears it's worth it. <laughs> and he he might be right. She was kind of cute. Yeah, yeah. I forget what they said that he ended up doing. He ended up uh, he was the one that swam the the English Channel. Yeah, right at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, it's a really straightforward movie. So it's kind of like one of those weird things where there's not a lot of individual things to talk about in this. Um, the basic. Yeah, they, com- I mean, they fo- they foil the plot to uh, to kill the uncle. Uh, through various various acts of bumbling, they, they foil the the assassins. They get framed. They get they get exonerated because it's over the, the top, like most eighties movies, where it ends up like there's a bomb planted with like this giant long wick, which is like the most cartoony thing ever. The wick going and like having to stop it as it like it's sizzling all the way the through the house and shit. Yeah. And they, of course, put it out briefly with a cannonball. Yeah, two of the fat boys jump in a pool and like send all of the water from the pool on top of the on top of the fuse, and it yeah. puts it out. There's a dead Doberman in this movie. <laughs> that scene made me laugh a little bit, though. And I know I shouldn't be laughing at dead dogs, but the Doberman was the nephew's prized dog, and he was about to poison his uncle. And as as he's about to inject his uncle, the fat boys walk in and he panics and just launches the syringe out the window. And in the background, you hear the dog, his Doberman, who's out in the yard, apparently going. And then a hard cut to a funeral. And you're like, oh, shit. He, you know, they try to make it seem like it's the uncle. And then it cut. And it's, there's like the worst fake dog I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. It's like it like looks like a stuffed animal that you would like win at the South Florida Fair. So bad. Also, you just named this episode. I tell the world that you laugh at dead dogs. Yeah. Bad person. We need to go back through the episodes and find out who's named the most. Probably you. I hope it's me. Uh, let's see here. So, at the very end of the movie, fat boys become heroes. Uh, dude becomes their friend. Uh, old guy becomes their friend. The nephew uh, apparently gets shot in the butt. In the ass. Yep. Yeah. He asks to... him to graze him. Yeah. He's like, "No, don't use that one. Use the little gun, please. Use the little gun." <laughs> he gets shot in the butt. He falls in some bushes, and. Then it shows them about a year later, and the Beach Boys are hanging out at this. I guess they're running. I forget what they're running, jet skis or something. They're at like a place with the. With no, the they were dude. just stopping at like a uh, a gas station to pick up supplies. Oh, it was yeah. like a Quick Mart or whatever, and they were just picking up supplies. And there was like two of the Beach Boys there, and I was like, Are "Those Beach Boys?" Yeah, they even said, "Oh, look, it's the Beach Boys," which is weird and then because they I shot I was... their shotgun off in the store. It's like what. Yeah. Which is weird because in the chat, someone was talking about pet sounds um, right like 30 minutes before I watched this movie. And it's not every day that you get a Beach Boys reference. 
and like two and right in a row. True. But um and that is disorderlies. It's yeah, it's a pretty I guess it's a tight movie, but it's definitely it is dated like you said. Yeah. It's extremely dated. And it's it's fairly straightforward. It's I mean honestly, it's not a bad movie. It's not one that is a complete waste of time to watch. I mean, if there's other things for you to watch, you're probably better off watching those. But, I mean, if you're looking for something old and something that isn't, like, horrendous and you just want to check out some old cinema, this will fall right in that category. But, it, it again, like I said, it's not anything that I would intentionally seek out because it's, you know, a stellar example of quality cinema. It's- cinema. <laughs> It's an interesting time capsule, I thought. Yeah, you're correct. Because some of the other movies we do, people have seen a million times. And it's like, and that is what their opinion and feelings of the 80s come from. Oh, the 80s, it was just like Adventures of Babysitting, or the 80s was like Police Academy, or this or that, or whatever. Um, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, or Mm -hmm. whatever. Any of those Hughes movies. Breakfast Club. But this was just a different look at the 80s and it's definitely very interesting that we had a lot of movies set in florida in our little summer of 87 and even like i think summer school was set in florida too wasn't it uh i want to say yeah i want to say it was in broward wasn't it yeah because there was the nerds was uh summer school i think and then this one was and they all came out like almost week to week to week and it was it was very interesting and there's not a lot of that anymore um yeah they don't offer it the, everything is filmed in Vancouver and Georgia at the moment because of tax credits. Mm-hmm. And, well, Vancouver, that's completely different. But, um, And it sucks because I would love, you know, I loved going to Universal and going to, like, the, the sound stages and seeing, like, the game shows that they're filming, the Nickelodeon stuff they're filming. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I very much like that aspect of that, especially the Nickelodeon stuff because, I mean, as a kid, going in there and being, like, and seeing, like, that's the thing that drops the slime. It was freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. But maybe someday. Uh, Mayhaps. What else do we got here? I believe you've got some history for us, did you not? I do. You said you huh. specifically remember this week from 1987. I, I do. Uh, I was a big baseball fan around this time. Really? Uh, yes. I was a absolute huge baseball fan because you know i lived in pittsburgh around this time we had the pirates they sucked but and they still do so uh so there's your history right now right there uh 30 something years of futility uh no but this i was my favorite baseball player was mark mcguire and that was because that was really the main reason was i had one of his baseball cards from when he played for the olympics the olympic team okay and he was and I, as a kid, was like, holy shit, this card's going to be worth a million dollars if this guy breaks any records. And he was a rookie this year, and he did break the home run record this week. And I very distinctly remember. Did that, you have like, his card? I had the USA card. I still do somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, the Team USA card, as well as the that 1987 card with the wooden border. That was his rookie card. But it's prob- probably uh, all messed up in my garage right now. Mm. But... um. So Mark McGuire did break the home run record for rookie, not the much later 62 thing. Uh, That was a big one. Uh, This is another one. This is weird because it's an anniversary that happened 
but this week, this particular week when this movie came out was the 10-year anniversary of Elvis's death, which really, oh, really? dates that movie because it seems like Elvis had been dead forever. So is it this, yeah, this it wasn't the exact day. It was the 16th. So it was like that Sunday, I guess. Uh, and, of course, they were doing a lot of competitions and, like, Elvis impersonator things. And it was kind of, when this 10-year anniversary hit, it was kind of the resurgence of the Elvis impersonators, the Elvis albums coming out again, the, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Uh, oh, is he still alive kind of stuff, which I thought was kind of interesting. Uh, and a much smaller bit of news, the helicopter car- carrying Ronald Reagan did graze a uh, a small plane on a runway. I'm sure Uh-oh. the Secret Service was really happy about or was really happy to talk to that small airplane uh, pilot as well um, at that time. But those were the uh, like, hey, those are the big bits of news. <laughs> like, dude, what the hell are you doing? Um, so those were the the big bits of news that happened on that exact day. Well, we we do have some some box office and as well as billboard charts for you as well. The the billboard is still fairly similar. Um, we've still got the rhythm is going to get you at number ten. Only in my dreams from Demi Gibson. For the record, Demi she's Gibson. been promising me. She's been promising me since nineteen eighty seven that the rhythm is going to get me, and I have yet to be got by the rhythm. Oh my god! But Debbie Gibson was correct. You've only danced with Danny Trejo in your dreams. Accurate. Accurate. Yeah. Oh. Uh, Cross My Broken Heart from the Beverly Hills Cop 2 soundtrack is at number 8. Don't Mean Nothing by Richard Marks is at 7. Heart and Soul by Tapao is at 6. La Bamba by Los Lobos? La Bamba by Los Lobos is at number 5. Yep. It was a remake for the movie. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha, okay. Luca by Suzanne Vega is at number 4. 3, I Want Your Sex. From the Beverly Hills Cop 2 soundtrack is at number three. Madonna's at number two with Who's That Girl? And you 2 I believe, is holding on to number one. Didn't they stay at number one? I still yep. haven't found what I'm looking for. They got there yep. last week, I think. Yep, that's true. Uh, my wife. But Madonna's uh, might... coming up on them fast. Yeah. My wife, uh, you might know that she likes to make fun of me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was talking about my beautiful, long, flowing hair back in the 80s. And she laughed uncontrollably and referred to me as having Richard Marks hair nice. just last night. She's like, that was not long-flowing hair. You had long-flowing hair. I had a mullet. I did, in fact, have long-flowing hair. Mm-hmm. Mine was the middle of my back before I cut it off. Yeah. You cut it senior year, right? Uh, yes. From junior to senior year, I did. Mm-hmm. We also have the movies. And we've got... At number one for this week was Stakeout in its second week in release. Number two was Can't Buy Me Love in its first week, which was another movie we probably could have done. At number three, The Living Daylights in its third week. At number four, we've got No Way Out. At number five, La Bamba hanging on in its fourth week. At number six, The Lost Boys is hanging tough at number three. Or in its third week. Came out the same week as The Living Daylights, but it's at number six now. Number seven is Masters of the Universe. Number eight is Robocop. Number nine is our movie this week. Disorderlies opened up at number nine. Opened up in the top ten. 
Wow. At number 10 is another movie that we've spoken about on this particular episode, and that's Summer School. Hmm. Oh, and interestingly enough, Monster Squad opened up this week and opened at number 12. And we, that, God, that's so crazy. And we've covered that movie. Uh, we have. A couple Halloweens ago. That's or a last good Halloween. movie, too. I like that movie. <clears throat> yeah. uh, box office, did we uh, actually do that? The budget of this movie was $5 million, which explains why it looks like a porn movie. Uh, and yeah. the gross of the movie was $10,348,437. So did it make its money back? Yeah, I guess it did, unless they really marketed it heavy. I don't remember as I was them marketing it very heavy. I just remember seeing like one or two ads for it, but that was it. I, it's weird because as I was typing this out, it's weird that you say that because we type this out every week, and for some reason I was like thinking, spend five million dollars to make ten million dollars. Anyone on the fucking planet would do that, and then but like, then you also have to think about like, it's a lot of work to make a movie and do all that stuff, mm -hmm. would you still do it? I'm like, I think I kind of would. <laughs> yeah. Like, even even with the risk involved not knowing that end result is $10 million. But if you actually knew it, yeah, I would. You know, having to deal with, with you know, critics and all of and finding locations and feeding fat boys and all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and that was half of the $5 million budget. Yeah, right? Like catering. So that leaves us to our question of the week. And, and what this one, is I that question of the week, right? I want to be very clear. We are not fat shaming anyone or dunking on anyone. No. So our question of the week is going to be uh, people that are famous for being fat, but, like, they're in on it. Like, they joke about it. They sing about it's, it. They it's part of it. their persona. Yeah. So this is not a, oh, wow, so-and-so looks pretty heavy these days. No, that's not... That's not fun. That's not cool. You know, so we, we are actually talking specifically about people that are going to go out and be like, hey, you can call me Domino Fats. You know, that kind of thing. Or Fats my Domino. name is Tiny because I'm fucking huge. Fats Domino, yeah. I was making up one. So uh, let's uh, – let's, uh, I guess I can go first here. All right. Do we uh, have any I wanted to... or anything? We did have a voicemail. Oh, no. This was actually a text. So I get to read it uh, out, which is good because we've had a very busy week. So this comes from Alec, who, is, who has done voicemails in the past, and uh, we'll let him go first. Uh, he... he typed it out because you fuck it up every week. <laughs> no, he typed it out because there's some, there's, uh, he's been very busy uh, and, and couldn't uh, step away to have a quiet phone conversation. So... Uh, his honorable mentions are Kathy Bates and the notorious B.I.G., and he said their weight wasn't part of their whole persons, but it was an integral part an integral part of it. Uh, number five – oh, wow, I didn't catch this one at all. That is number four. Uh, number five, Heavy D in his name. Yep. Number four, Heavy this D is the one the I was boys. like – I don't know how I missed this one, and you might actually possibly miss this one too. Uh, Melissa McCarthy. See, I, I, I did not miss that one. I thought about it. I don't. I she mean, is yeah, super she's athletic. She is big, she, but she's super athletic. She really is. And I, I thought about it, but I don't really know that it's 
part of her persona per se. You know what I mean? I think she's just a big girl who does movies. I could see it. I, I'm trying to remember a specific joke, but if she does any jokes about you know, mm-hmm. being big, but a lot of her stuff is like she is big and she can do stuff that I can't do. Right. You know, jumping and rolling shoulder rolls when she's like in a cop movie or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, or yeah, number three, sorry, John Goodman. He was known okay. as, as the big Dan guy, and he, his weight fluctuates, actually. Um, supposed to be a very good dude, by the way. Uh, Chris Farley is number two. Mm-hmm. And that one's absolutely correct. And number one, John Candy. Oh, we had some discussion oh. about this one before the uh, the episode as well. We did. And for some reason, I can't. All I think about is planes, trains, and automobiles. Big guy in bed. I don't know. Uncle That's, Buck. Uh, yep. Uh, mine. I'm gonna go with. I, I tried to, you know, stretch things out. I tried to to find different thing, different uh, people from different genres. Uh, somehow managed to miss anything related to wrestling, which I might have to change. Oh, uh, but now number five is Refrigerator Perry. Okay. Uh, basically, you know, even the when he was um, on defense and when he got to score a touchdown, it was like the big guy touchdown, you know, was, and his freaking nickname was Refrigerator because he was built like a refrigerator. Mm-hmm. refrigerator. I had John Belushi as number four, but I think I might take him out for a wrestler. And I'm trying to decide which one. Do I want to do Yokozuna? Or my personal favorite, and I really wish I remember his name. Rikishi. Uh, uh, Rikishi, that was it. Yep. I, I, go with Rikishi I knew which one you were talking about. You didn't even need to say it. Rikishi, because of the stink face. Yeah, it's putting one of giant... those two. Yep. So I'm going to go in Rikishi as my new number four. John Candy, talked about it already, number three. Notorious B.I.G. is my number two. B.I.G. Just sounded girthy. And number one, Chris Farley. And if you want to know what I'm talking about, just watch the Chippendales uh, sketch, and you will know mm-hmm. exactly how a big guy can use his weight to make people laugh. Or the fat guy in a little suit thing. Rest in peace, sir. Excellent. You're up. Well, I will I will make a substitution on my list as well. I will throw Yokozuna in on my list at number five. Because he deserves to be on there as well. I thought you were going to put me in there. I'll be like, dude, I told you when I first locked myself into my house, I had like eight cases of fucking Swiss rolls. (laughs) And they were all gone by the end of the first week. Um, At number four, I'm going to do... (laughs) At number four, I'm going to do the Fat Boys. I mean, it's in their name. Yep. At number three, I'm going to do... I'll probably go with Ralphie May. Ooh. The comedian. He he talked very frequently about his weight. Um, and he you was a big guy. Yeah, you liked him a lot. You used to quote him quite a bit. Uh, well, and fact, that was the I thing. Heard, I've heard you do Rafi May bits more than I've heard Rafi May do Rafi May bits, uh, to be honest. And I liked his first two stand-ups, and then after that, it it he just stopped being funny and I don't know what happened. I don't know if, if there was too much drugs involved or what, but I, I saw a couple of his, of his standups where I'm like, these jokes aren't landing. These, these jokes aren't funny. I don't, 
I don't know what he's doing. It's like he was writing these when he was high. I don't. And he he very he admittedly was was a big pot smoker. So, um, Ralphie May at number three. At number two, I've got Fluffy himself, Gabriel Iglesias. And at number one, you're absolutely correct, Greg. I've got Chris Farley. Excellent. Well, those are our lists. And uh, of course, if you want to send in your own lists, you can become a patron. Uh, patreon.com slash give me five podcast not too expensive about five dollars uh it's you know it's pretty cheap and it helps keep the show going if you're out there listening and you're like man i wish i could put in a five top five list because those dipshits didn't say i don't know uh sam Kinison that joe or, he was my honorable uh, he was an honorable mention by the way or louis anderson you guys didn't say oh him. god uh or uh, see i'm scared to say aretha franklin because i'm scared that like I'm gonna get. Beaten. I don't. Or like a I don't Luther think Vandross she was too. famous because yeah. she was fat. I think she just happened to be. I think she just happened to be big and famous. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, if uh, you guys are like, I could do a better list. You can uh, become a patron and you can send in your own list as well as uh, talk to us and tell us what movies to watch and will you do birthday episodes and there's a bunch of stuff. If you go to that website, uh, Patreon.com/slash Give Me Five Podcast, you can find out. Uh, you can contact us, gibby5podcast at gmail.com. You can search for us on Instagram and so on, uh, and uh, uh, Facebook and all that stuff by searching for gibby5podcast. As always, spell out the word five. Uh, I will be putting up pictures of Rob in his costume that we talked about at the top of the show. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, Rob, but I did, I did catch some people that posted you on Instagram. Uh, oh, did you? Uh, after night two of the the show, so I I tagged you in it so that you could see it. Excellent. Um, it was random. Actually, I was just looking for I was looking for pictures of MegaCon just to see what it was like. Mm -hmm. Um, and I happened to see oh, oh shit. <laughs> oh, that's you're real. standing. It looks like a like a empty like wall like near possibly where they feed where you eat. It's like a wall that was like. I don't know, cage with like black tarp behind it, mm -hmm. um, like all by yourself. So anyway, uh, that's how you can contact us. And uh, as usual, thank you for listening. Thank you guys, and remember, we want you to attack with winners in the end.